Life without laughs is not life. We've got to break down the barriers between the generations. There's, there's no doubt about that. Pray to the Lord for strength and walk on it. Welcome to Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench. This is episode number 53 and our fifth season of this podcast. My name is Kathy Buckworth, and as always, I have the pleasure of sharing the bench with my co-host, Evelyn Brindle, who lives at the village of Aaron Meadows in Mississauga, just one of the Schlegel Village retirement and long-term care residences. And she lives there alongside her husband, David. Today, Evelyn and I are welcoming our special guest, Diane Dupuy, who is the founder of the Famous People Players, an internationally celebrated blacklight theater company where the performers are all developmentally disabled. Diane is not a resident at Schlegel Village, but her mother, Mary Thornton, who lived to 103, who and she was very involved in Famous People Players, was a resident. But before Evelyn and Diane join me, I'd like to remind you what this podcast is all about. It's the brainchild of the Schlegel family. It's long been founder Ron Schlegel's belief that the greatest untapped resource in Canada, if not the world, is the collective wisdom of our elders. And today, we have some great wisdom to be shared from Diane Dupuy, as she tells us about the famous people players and what she learned from working with her mother, Mary, and the wisdom that Mary imparted to her. Hi, Evelyn. Are you ready for today's guest? Hi, Kathy. I sure am. And I'm excited to learn about our guest's mother, Mary Thornton. She passed away a few years ago at 103 years of age and she lived in the village of Humber Heights. What I find so fascinating is that while her daughter, Diane Dupuy, founded the famous People Players, which we'll hear about in a while, Mary worked in the company designing and building these incredible props, over 22,000 of them actually, and uh, for the theater company. It certainly was a mother-daughter relationship, though, back and forth. They didn't always agree, but they, Mary particularly would do what Diane wanted, and she made a point of being a very good help to Diane. So I'm interested to hear not only about Mary's contributions to the success of this company, but how they made that mother-daughter working relationship last for so many years, almost 50. I'm so interested to hear about that as well. Diane Dupuy, welcome to the program. Well, I love my mom. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's so many wonderful stories about her. I guess I really should begin from the time I went to grade one and how she sat up all night, right up to one o'clock in the morning, making me a beautiful dress, black patent shoes, and told me I was going to make all kinds of new friends and it was going to be wonderful to go to school. And I was so excited. And she dropped me off at the doors of the classroom and I went in and I, I just couldn't sit still. I ran around the classroom. I got on the teacher's nerves. I, uh, I, you know, 
I thought I was having fun. I I didn't know really what I was doing, what was wrong. (laughs) I didn't understand why you had to put your hand up. And uh, I went out in the recess yard and I thought all the kids are going to run with me, but they didn't. And a lot of the kids didn't like me. They thought there was something wrong with me or I was crazy. And then I went back into the classroom and uh, the teacher kept with her pointer, kept tapping me on the head to concentrate. And I really couldn't concentrate. I didn't know what to concentrate on. And when she said the blackboard, it was black. And I didn't know what, what there was to be interested in that for. And so I would gaze out the window and I'd imagine myself riding a white horse. I was going to save the world. I was going to grow up and be the Lone Ranger. And I went on to the recess yard again and I would pretend to saddle on my horse and gallop. And the kids screamed and one called me a retard and it really upset me. And I remember going home that night and my mother could see I was very, very sad. And she just said, isn't it wonderful? You found a good friend, your horse. Well, you can invite your horse for dinner and we'll do something nice for the for silver. And she understood me and she uh, played the CBC show, radio show on the Lone Ranger. And I love the sound of the hoops. And I would go back to school every day. I did not do well. And by the time I got to grade three, I failed the whole year and uh, was marked failure on my report card. And I had to come home. I was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario. So the school was on the mountain and we lived beneath the escarpment. And I didn't ride my horse home that day. I cried all the way and, and finally got home. And my mother wanted to see my report card. And I was so scared to see it because I thought she wouldn't love me anymore. And instead she said, now let's just, she didn't even bring up the word failed on it. She just says, let's go down here and see what cooperation says. Oh, you got a good mark in cooperation. That's the most important thing. It sounds like your mother was able to hone in on what you could do rather than what you struggled with, like cooperation. And she really nurtured your imagination. You may not have had all the grades, but you did excel in imagination and creativity. As anyone who has ever seen the famous people players would really understand. I understand, too, that you fell in love with puppets and puppetry thanks to her. Uh, As you were growing up, this was one area that she tried to encourage your education. Well, she was because my mother built me a puppet theater when I was a little girl and gave me pan puppets and told me to go behind the box, not be afraid because the puppets will do the talking for me. They won't know anybody's behind the box. They won't even know who's there. They're going to think they're real. So they're real to you. And don't you forget that. And, you know, I, the puppets could say anything, do anything. And, you know, as I went on in life, uh, my mother would saddle up my puppet box on her little Volkswagen and take me to for gigs at birthday parties and magic uh, places to entertain bar mitzvahs with a <laughs> friend of mine 
who uh, was a magician, exploring um, being a magician. And you may not remember him. He ended up becoming the world's greatest magician, and that was Doug Henning. And there we were from Hamilton doing this, and it was so wonderful. And then I, uh, from there, I, I got a, a, my mother just kept encouraging me to, to explore my imagination. As long as the imagination that you come up with makes this world a better place. So, Dan, what you did was make the world a better place, obviously, with famous people, players. And for people who don't know, who hasn't heard of them? I think we all have. But for people who don't know what famous people, players is all about, can you tell me uh, about how it started and 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 really the unique features of it? Well, I went to uh, a place to perform. It was the uh, Aurelia Institution, and it was also Surrey Place Centre. And we were labeled mentally retarded back then. Mm. And uh, I... Uh, did this show and uh, I got to tell you, it, I was scared to do it because people called me that and I thought what was going to happen and all of a sudden a girl in the audience had a seizure and everybody in that room went to help her and nobody laughed and screamed and made fun of her and I thought to myself of a quote that I once read that Einstein said that great spirits always encounter violent opposition from mediocre minds. And my mother was there with me every step of the way, and she made my puppets. And then I thought at that time, I went to the man at the institution, and I said to him, you know, when you lock people down like this and you put them in a room with no doors in the washroom, no forks and knives to eat with, they're, they're going to become more disability, more handicapped. But if you integrate them into society, they would normalize themselves. And he says, well, I believe that. I just don't know how to do it. And I says, I do. And that's how I founded Famous People Players. And it was all, uh, I, I chose the blacklight technique. I, my mother was my partner, my supporter all the way. And uh, I blacklight technique. Nobody would see the players and who they are, so they can't be afraid of them. And the puppets would be, well, of course, was Liberace, because that was my mother's, oh, <laughs> hero. My mother loved Liberace. And so what was nice about Liberace, Liberace had the piano, he had the candelabra, there was musical notes, and you, there was so much magic that, that in black light, everything floats Everything defies gravity before your eyes. It's it's like seeing the movie Pinocchio. It's a live cartoon on, cartoon on stage. When we performed at Radio City Music Hall, the New York critic, I think his name was Gene Shalit, said this is like seeing Fantasia perform live before your eyes. And my mother made all, she made all those puppets. For those of you who can't visualize it, you really do need to see it to believe it. It's a very interesting experience. You can go to the Famous People Players website, famouspeopleplayers.com, and see the photos. And you can also get tickets to the shows while you're there. Oh, yes. And please join our Instagram or Facebook. Come on. Let's we'll get <laughs> with the program here. But uh, you, it, it was so wonderful. And then Liberace did discover us. 
and saw us perform, not knowing anything about the group, and signed us on the spot to open for him in Las Vegas. And we were part of Liberace's company for 10 years with a wonderful relationship. I like to hear that the performers are gaining so much from the experience, including their independence. Are there any educational programs offered? And can you tell us a little bit about them? Well, we do. And that is our educational program is uh, funded mm. from a bequest that came from a Schleckel village resident. Her name was Frida Griffiths. And she left her estate to us. And she left it when COVID started. And I thought we were going to have to shut the company down. And Frida Griffiths, through her bequest from her will, who she loved the players. So she wanted it to be for education. We have marvelous school shows. We have uh, the Frida Griffiths Master of Imagination and Entrepreneurship Program for high schools. We have an awful lot. And now we're starting the stars of tomorrow. These are people who 32% have quit high school. They're wandering the streets. Maybe they have an individual educational plan. They were like me in school. Uh, if I was in school today, I would have been diagnosed with ADHD. But for me, ADHD really means awesome dreams with high drama. So these young people are not the lost generation. They are explorers. They're trying to find their way out of this darkness. So they would join the Stars of Tomorrow program, which is a full-time program, and there'll be a certified teacher there to get them their, their, their subjects for everyday life, not algebra where you're not going to be interested or Moby Dick to do a story on, but to learn English by writing your own story, by coming up with your own fantasy, taking your, your, your book and, and, and going to the prop shop and designing the cover and then becoming an entrepreneur to sign it. You can learn your math very easily by being in the culinary arts dream program that we have because you got to do measuring. you got to know how to divide, multiply, subtract when you're doing menus for different numbers of people on the recipe, the breakdown of it. It is really fascinating. And these are things I've learned as I went along with the company. And now we're 49 years old, hoping we're going to see our 50th birthday because we are so, it, it, this is the most important program and the world needs us more now than they've ever needed us before. And, and Diane, you certainly uh, walk the talk. You've written best-selling books like Dare to Dream, Throw Your Heart Over the Fence, Daring to Dream, and you and your mother have won several awards. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Well, when we were discovered by Liberace, of course, and, and won rave reviews on Broadway, uh, the government of Canada uh, bestowed the Order of Canada because we were the pioneers that brought integration to the forefront of the world for people with disabilities. And uh, my mother has won many awards, the Gardner Award, uh, 
there's just been so many too numerous to mention for her art form. And one of the biggest thrills my mom had in her career was when Clyde Barnes, that tough New York critic at the New York Post, came out and said the show and the props, you know, he just raved about it. And that was my mother. So, and that was your mother. And she, again, lived to 103. She lived at the Humber Village, Schlegel Village, where you are recording this from uh, right now. And so I understand. But she gave you life lessons, obviously, that lasted a long time. What are some of the key lessons that she Well, you know, my you? mother lived always by the, the letter C. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wrote when she passed away, not when she passed away, I wrote it in celebration of her 100th birthday, The Magic of the Seas, a, children, a children's book where Mary the tree, she's a tree, and she's a little tree that gets planted, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and children climb her, and they learn lessons. The letter C for creativity, for uh, compassion, uh, all kinds of, of wonderful words that, you know, courage, to take the courage to do things. And she, the tree challenges them on these words, and then one day there's a, a, a violent storm outside and the lightning struck, strikes the uh, tree down and they cry and they miss their Mary. But Mary in the spring comes back and she's more beautiful than ever. And people from all over the world come at the end of the book carrying a word that is that the letter C is for. And, you know, like cool and it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. And my mother would always say that the letter C will get you everywhere. Am I right, Diane, in thinking that your mom and you didn't always get along perfectly? Oh, no. And when it came <laughs> to creativity, I wanted an elephant. And I wanted the elephant to be very large. And I wanted it to be pink. And I go and get the prop when she made it. And it was very small. And it was blue. And I was so upset about it. And I did, oh, yeah, I want it, I want it. I got to have it. I got to have it. And my mom stayed up all night and gave me what I want. And then let me tell you what happened. It was so big, I couldn't fit it through the door. My mother was right. So here you go. Uh, you know, uh, and I used to get so annoyed when she was right. And uh, oh, we were like, my mother would say, if she was in this interview, my daughter and I are like the George Burns and Walter Mathall movie. The Sunshine Boys. We couldn't live with each other. We couldn't live without each other. We were creative artists together. And I had the, the vision and the dream and everything else, but I couldn't have done it without my mother. So that was it. Just so, so wonderful, a part of my life that she is. And she's still with me today. Mm -hmm. I've had so many magical moments where I know that she's been there. Uh, I went swimming and uh, I always take my ring off, my, my ring that she got for me, a sapphire diamond thing. And I zip it in my bag. And, and, and when I got to work and I unzipped my bag, it was gone. And I went, was mortified, just mortified. I called the uh, Columbus Center that's in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And the girl went looking for it. She says, what was your locker number? And I says, well, I use a different locker every day. I don't know. I was so distraught. She says, I'll find it. And she went and I prayed. I prayed so hard to St. Anthony, who is the patron saint of finding things. 
And then my friend came up and says, no, pray to your mother, pray to your mother. And I said, mom, and I'm crying. I can't, I have to have you with me. I need the ring. And I, I remember the time you got it for me and how we laughed and we had so much fun. And the next thing you know, the lady called and she had found it. But she said she went in the locker room. She didn't know where to start. And all of a sudden, it was as if somebody was pulling her hand, took her way down to the back, turned to the left. And there it was sitting right on top of the bench. And she said, I cleaned it and sparkled it. And, and she said it was a spiritual effect it had on her. And when I got to my car to drive back home, what do you think is on the mat of the car in the front is a dime. And they say that when people pass away, sometimes they leave dimes around for you to find to let you know that they're still with you. Oh, and your mother was certainly with you at a hard time in your life, Diane, when you were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes. And you were a bit afraid to tell your mom about that. Why was that? I was. I was so scared to tell her because I, I just, I didn't know how she would take it. And when I sat down with her, I says, I have something to tell you, mom. And I'm almost afraid to tell you this because I know how heartbroken you're going to be and everything. And she said, well, what is it? And finally, I says, I have breast cancer. And she said, she took my hand. She says, oh, is that all? <laughs> you know, you've got lots to give to this world. Don't stop and lie in bed and feel sorry for yourself. I won't allow it. Yes, I would say that is good advice. When you first hear that, or are told that by the doctor that you're facing this and then going through it, it's not easy. And you might tend to sort of wallow in your own pity kind of situation. Um, but that can't last. Uh, you really do have to get back to life, look at yourself every day, accept what has happened, and try to make the best of it, to overcome it as much as possible. Realize that you do have other things to live for and to keep on living, to be as happy as you can because the people around you love you a lot and they'll always be there for you. So I guess that's your mother's advice and mine. Thank you. So anyway, with a pick line in my arm is how I built that Dine and Dream Theater in Toronto. And if you go on our website and click on dining, mm -hmm. you will see the most fantastic picture of the dining room. And that's my mother, her ribbons up there on the ceiling, how she made the whole ceiling into beautiful, colorful ribbons. My mom worked with the interior designer on this, how she envisioned everything. My mother was uh, just the most creative person and uh, she'd be there late at night. She worked, she worked a lot. And she also carried three jobs at the same time. She, um, when I was a little girl, she was a cleaning lady. She was a salesperson and she was a dressmaker. She did not stop. She had a really strong work ethic, and I think I, I read. I, I think there's a funny story about when you and your brother were young, and uh -huh. maybe, the, maybe the yard got a bit messy. Well, you see, because my mother was working three jobs, we were uh, left with babysitters, or we were left at home. And uh, this lady who lived next door to us in Hamilton, uh, she lived at number thirty-eight, 
and <laughs> her name was Mrs. Arms. And of course, my brother and I would go, oh, it's 38 arms, look at her. And she came over one morning and scolded us for the worst yard in the front lawn had not been uh, mowed. There's no flower. You have no flowers. This is a nice street and you haven't done anything and your mother's out gallivanting somewhere. And we were so sad for my mother. Uh, we didn't think anything else about anything else. So I said to my brother, I was older than him by about four years. I said, you get the mower and I'll get the flowers. And I looked at Mrs. Arms's yard and she had the most beautiful marigolds and she had tulips and she had all kinds of stuff. And I just went to my kitchen drawer, get a, a fork and a spoon and I went there very early in the morning, very early while everybody was sleeping. And I dug up all the flowers and I planted them in our garden. As we're watering them, <laughs> as we're watering them, and my brother did a great job of, of mowing the lawn. Mrs. Arms comes out with her little straw hat and her straw basket and her gardening glove. Oh, what a beautiful garden you have. Where did you get these gorgeous flowers? And I just dropped the hose and started to laugh. And I ran in the house. And, of course, the next thing you know was, <laughs> you brats, get out here. <laughs> so we had to pay back for the flowers. And we had to go to our piggy bank. My mother was got scolded. And all I had was 25 cents. <laughs> and I knocked on her door with my brother. And I says, well, here's 25 cents for the flowers. You think this is going to cover the damage you kids did? You're brats. <laughs> well, but I'm, we had a beautiful garden. I'm sure you did. I mean, you find creative ways to do everything. It sounds like <laughs> uh, Diane. And you, and again, you know, you work with your mother for so long. People listening, what great advice do you have for someone who might be in a position to work with a family member? You know, what what can I say? How do you do it? Well, first of all, you got to be patient. I know that's hard to do. But if you really have a good relationship with them, you can let go and they will understand it is a uh, it's cooperation. It's it's experiencing the joy of it together. But, you know, when they're gone, you're going to look back on it and you will say, gee, I should have listened. So don't have those regrets because sometimes I look back and I go, I should have listened. My mother was right on this. Why didn't I see it at the time? Why didn't I see it? And that's the kind of thing where I feel kind of sad about for some things that I look at. And when I sit where she sits in the theater watching the show, I can see my mother saying, I wouldn't have put the puppet there. I would have put the puppet over here. I would do this mm -hmm. and everything else. Uh, but you know what? She was, um, she, she had so much wisdom. She always used to say, uh, remember the right way is always Mary's way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, I really do like to take the time to tell you, I wait, I promised my mother I would never put her in a senior place. I gave my word on that. She was too active, too, too, just too creative to be boxed down someplace sitting it became very difficult for her and she became blind and uh, really crippled with her hands and everything. And she lost her hearing and I had no choice. And I went around looking everywhere 
And I was so disappointed in so many of the places I saw. Walking into places that smelled of pee right away, I couldn't do it. And then I went to, uh, I it was Frida Griffiths who sent us. She had just moved into uh, Schlegel Village here in Toronto. And I walked in and I did not feel that I was in a retirement home or a I felt I was in uh, a place in Arizona, Sedona, where a, a high-end shopping mall, like a real high-end village. It was so wonderful. And I just loved the library. And I, I knew my mother would love this place. So I, I uh, took the place. And she was on the main floor in a, in a lovely apartment. We decorated it beautifully with her artwork and everything. And, uh, and then how she enjoyed going to, the, to see the concerts that you had in the village under the Gasbo. Oh, she had that. She loved that. And then I could pick her up and take her down to Famous People Players and she could spend the day with us and bring her home later. And, and she always liked people to come in and have a party in her, her place. We had a beautiful Easter party here. We rented what we took one of the rooms and I made a, a, a big dinner with my volunteers and friends for some of the seniors, all home cooked and brought it in. We had such a wonderful, wonderful time. And today when I walked in, it just, I could see her there. I could see her everywhere. I mean, I was so, I was very emotional, but I think that this is without a doubt the best, the best retirement and long-term place that this country has. I really do believe that. I couldn't agree more. The best thing about living here at Schlegel Village, and I'm in Erin Meadows, are the people, the wonderful staff. Uh, they're just truly amazing in what they do. And all of the residents who become your friends, look after you, help you, have frequent chats, share life stories with you. It's wonderful to have that personal connection with so many people. And so you can go to famouspeopleplayers.com and it's quite easy to buy tickets right off of this site there. Diane, I'm sure people are racing to do that right now. Thank you so much for sharing the memories of your mom at the Schlegel Village as well. We really love that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on The Green Bench today. On behalf of my co-host, Evelyn Brindle, I'd like to thank you for giving us a chance to bring you these stories of elder wisdom. We'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. But we'd also love to hear your words of wisdom on social media. Please do using the hashtag ElderWisdom, which will also help others to find us on this green bench. We do love a review and a rating on the podcast. You can easily find it by going to elderwisdom.ca and following the link. Take a look at the Elder Wisdom Pledge Against Ageism while you're there, and please think about signing it. Thanks for joining us. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and along with Evelyn Brindle, we look forward to sharing some more Elder Wisdom with you on the next episode of Stories from the Green Bench. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, 
please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com. <laughs>